thank them. Oh, my heart is full. Thank you. Amen. And our feet are planted on the rock. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our rock. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And even though all around us seems to be sinking sand, our, fir- our feet are firmly planted upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And when we stand upon him, we will not fall. Even when the circumstances of life look like a storm, and quite often they do, and things can feel very dark, but just like the precious testimony we heard, he is faithful in the midst, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And if you heard R.T. Kendall speak last Wednesday night, you heard him talk about one of the darkest moments in his life But God met him there, and it became one of his greatest treasures. That's the goodness of our God who desires to bless. He blessed in the beginning, and even after sin and the fall, he's blessing, and we're going to see that again. As we literally look at the blessing of Abraham, as God fulfills the promise made in Genesis 3, 15. God is relational. And he has chosen to reveal himself through his word, through creation, and through our conscience. He has imprinted himself upon our souls. He is knowable and desires to be known, which is why he has revealed himself to us through his word and allows us, because it is living and active, it is God-breathed and still breathing, to interact with him spirit to spirit when we open his word. And his Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. And I want to encourage you as we study Genesis, you know, we did the beginning with Genesis 1 through 11, and we looked at creation and the fall and the two lineages from Adam through Cain and Seth. And we see the righteous lineage and we see the lineage that sought to build a world apart from God. And we see seven generations down, we come to Lamech, who's the first recorded polygamist and a murderer. But we come from Seth, which when Seth was born, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And he has a righteous lineage. And seven generations from Adam through Seth, we come to Enoch, who walked with God and was not because God took him. So we want to be women who leave a lineage of faith. We want our feet firmly planted upon the rock of Jesus Christ and upon his word. That's how we build a life of stability in a world that's literally just shifting sand. And I want to encourage you to try to kind of get the Genesis highlights in your head. We all know creations one and two, Genesis one and two, the fall is Genesis three, four and five is the two lineages, six through nine is the flood with Noah. 10 is the table of nations because what happens in 11? The Tower of Babel and everybody gets scattered, right? So we're going to pick up now in 12 where God is going to call a man and God is going to bless him. If you've got your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter 12 and let's read those first few verses of the blessing. This is Abram's call. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. In the margin of my Bible, I wrote, go and I will show. (laughs) So we have to step out in faith first because what? We walk by faith and not by sight. 
God doesn't have to tell us where we're going. He just gives us enough light for the next step, which is exactly what he did with Abram. And I will make you a great nation. And what does he say? And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I want to encourage you as we do this study this semester to really focus on Abraham. We're going to get a lot of information about his life. And we're going to look at Isaac and Jacob as well. But Abraham is going to be the primary one who interacts with God. And we see God blessing him and choosing him because he's the first of the patriarchs, the one through whom the promised one would eventually come. We're also going to see that God blesses him so he can be a blessing. And as we watch Abraham, we're going to see him grow in spiritual maturity. We're going to see when he first goes, what does he do? He builds an altar and he worships the Lord. And it says he travels someplace else and he builds an altar and he worships the Lord. And then it tells us there's a famine in the land. And he doesn't build an altar and he doesn't seek the Lord. He just makes a decision. (laughs) He leans on his own understanding and he goes to Egypt. And we know that doesn't work out so well for him. In fact, um, Pharaoh takes Sarah as his wife. She's in his harem until he finds out that they're actually married. And Abram had asked her to lie, to say, you know, you're my sister. She was his half-sister. But he was protecting himself. So we're seeing him protecting himself, throwing his wife under the bus. And then he comes back with all this wealth, so much so that he and Lot have to separate. But once he comes back, what does he do? He's leaning on the Lord again. He's seeking God again. He builds an altar and he worships the Lord. And he allows Lot, he so trusted God that he allowed Lot to choose. You you choose. Wherever you want to go, you choose. And what does Lot do? He looks out and he sees the fertile Jordan Valley. Oh, it looks good. So he chooses the fertile Jordan Valley. And he pitches his tent towards Sodom. And we know eventually he ends up in Sodom and eventually ends up even as an elder at the gate in Sodom. He's so incorporated into their culture. Remember, ladies, things are not always as they appear. We can't just make decisions without going to the Lord in prayer and seeking him in his word. When we seek him, he directs our paths. Remember, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts than our thoughts. It's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And that's a foundational scripture that I have to remind myself of quite often. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. There are things that happen that I don't understand and I don't have to. Because if I could understand and he did it the way I thought it should be done, he would not be the God who has revealed himself in scripture. We're made out of dust. In his image, but out of dust. By a God who can speak things into creation. By a God who is not bound by time. By a God who is good and only does good. Do you remember in the garden that only rule they had? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything they had was good. The only thing they gained by eating from it was evil. But you know why? You know why God gave them that rule? Because He created them in His image to be able to choose to love Him and choose 
to trust him. But Eve made a mistake because she looked with her own eyes, listened to the voice of the serpent, and reasoned in her own mind. Decided she wanted to be like God. She wanted to call the shots. And the moment she did, sin entered. And chaos, and pain, and separation, and fear, and guilt, and the struggle that we have in relationships today. It's all a result of sin. But what it all boils down to is we don't trust God. We think we know better than he does. And so we're going to learn as we look at the life of Abraham, as we watch him progress and make mistakes, because that's the thing about the Bible, isn't it? The Bible doesn't whitewash people. It doesn't make them look better than they were. (laughs) It pretty much paints a true picture, but that's good news because we know ourselves, don't we? And we know we have hope when we look at them and we see that God does not give up that he keeps pursuing, keeps speaking, keeps revealing. So in Genesis 15, we're going to see that God is going to cut a covenant with him. God is going to bless him once again. And what does he say at the beginning? Come out and look at the stars of the sky. If you can count them, you're going to be able to count your descendants, Abraham. That's how vast your descendants are going to be. Now, Abraham was 75 when God called him. And we know that when he, God told him that, he believed. In Genesis 15, 6, it says he believed and God credited or reckoned it to him as righteousness. That's the picture of salvation that we have in the Old Testament. Salvation has always been by grace through faith. It's exactly how Abraham was saved, by believing God. He believed. And then God cuts a covenant with him, which we're going to Oh, we're going to be excited about getting into that one. It's so good. There's so much depth and meaning, and it foreshadows Jesus Christ. It's so powerful. And we see God revealing that to you, but then we're going to see he gets impatient again, doesn't he? At about year 10, what does he do? Sarah actually has a really good idea. Obviously, God needs our help. I haven't conceived, so I'll just give you Hagar. Hey, I mean, it's what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is doing it, so it must be okay, Right? No, not right. (laughs) And what does the Lord say to Abram? Because you listen to the voice of your wife. And I just cringe like, oh, Lord, please let me speak words of wisdom. Don't let me say something that will lead Steve astray. That makes me tremble because we recognize we do have influence. God has granted us influence if you're married. And if you're not married as women, we have a lot of influence. So we need to remember that before we speak and speak words of wisdom and grace and words that come from God and words that we come to after we've sought the Lord and spent time with him. So has Hagar, has Ishmael. We know there's strife there. Eventually, after 25 years, they have Isaac, the promised one. But even after he gets the long-awaited, 25 years waited for, promised one, what does God ask him to do? Offer him up as a sacrifice. Basically, this long-awaited one, the promised one, the one through whom we're going to bless the entire world, I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. Abraham doesn't hesitate at this point. And what does he tell his servants? The boy and I are going up on the mountain to worship, and we will return. He had so grown in his faith and trust of the Lord 
that he was willing to sacrifice the one he loved most, the promised one, the one that God had told him would be the one through whom the nations would be blessed because he believed God's word. And he believed, Hebrews tells us, even if he had to raise him from the dead, God would accomplish what he had said. Because what else do we know about God? Not only are his thoughts higher and his ways higher, but his word accomplishes whatever he sends it out to accomplish. It never returns to him void or empty. It accomplishes his purposes. And if God speaks it, it will happen. He follows through. We can bank on it. And so now as believers, we're getting to look back on this because we're on this side of the cross. We know how all of this foreshadows Christ, how all of this was God protecting a people through whom the Messiah would finally come when the time is just right. That's why Genesis is so powerful. And it's why we need to know it because we live in a culture that doesn't even believe there's a God. But it's pretty easy when you're talking with someone who's not a believer or who is unchurched to ask them if they think our world is broken. Obviously it is. What has caused that brokenness? The Bible says it's sin and you take them back to the very beginning. That's why Genesis is so important. But the beauty of the blessing is now, because God is good and his desire is to bless us, and because we are on this side of the cross, we are literally grafted into the lineage of Abraham. That means you, if you're a believer, are one of those stars that God said, Abraham, if you can count the stars, you can count your descendants, because every nation will be included, every tribe, every tongue. That was a promise of God that we are living in a time in history where we're actually seeing it being fulfilled as the gospel is wrapping the globe. And we're hearing every day about how God is moving and working in nations where it's illegal to be a Christian, and yet the underground church is exploding. So we're going to be looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I want you to really pay attention to the spiritual growth and maturity of Abraham. And look at the change in Abram from when he's first called a pagan idol worshiper and the God of heaven and earth calls him to go to a land that he's going to give his descendants. And we see his conversion in Genesis 15, 6. And God cuts a covenant and then God commissions him and then God tests him by asking him to offer Isaac. It's a period of consecration. Abraham had to come to the point of totally abandoning himself, his dreams, how he thought things were going to be. He has to die to that. He has to let it all go and in complete dependence, trust and obey. And when he does, oh, the joy of God providing a substitute. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. My substitute, your substitute. And he's saying to all of us, do you believe I'm good? 
when the hard things happen in your life, am I still good? When the hard things happen in your city, am I still good? Evil is real, but our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try or test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That's what we're going to ask the Lord to do this semester. Lord, search me. Try me. Show me if there's any area in my life where I'm not trusting you, where I don't believe you're good, where I'm not willing to just abandon everything, whatever it may be. Because when we do and we get out of the way, we get to see what he will do. We get to experience his blessing, which is what he's desiring to do. Well, yesterday, I had been going through our Bible study and looking at it, (coughs) and it is beautiful, and the set is gorgeous. I mean, I had to walk out here earlier just to look at it. It is so amazing, and there's tremendous symbolism because Dana builds symbolism into everything she does. I don't know what it all is, but it all has meaning and purpose. (laughs) Believe me, it does. But one of the coolest things about this study this semester is day five. You know, we've kind of set day five apart to be a special day where you apply what you're learning. Well, this semester, you're going to be challenged to be a blessing because we're blessed, and we're going to be blessed going through the Word of God, but we're blessed to be a blessing. Well, Steve and I went in the grocery store last night because we've been out of town over the weekend. We had no milk. We were literally out of everything. And so we're standing in line, and there's a woman standing in front of us, and she turns around, and she sees Steve, and she goes, "Ah, Bellevue, (laughs) I know who you are. And he said, yes. And she said, well, I've been listening to your messages. And we just start chit-chatting. And she asked about a particular class that we offered. And I said, as a matter of fact, we do offer a class for that on Wednesday nights. And um, anyway, as we're talking, just it was just one of those sweet conversations. And Steve stepped up behind me and he said, pay for her groceries. She just had a few things. And, you know, we had the buggy full. And so I just stepped up and moved the little board. And I said, just put all this together. And she turned around and looked at me. She goes, you're going to make me cry. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm studying a Bible study. We're going to be doing Genesis this year about a blessing. And part of what we're supposed to do is be a blessing. And we're challenged on day five each week to be a blessing to someone else. So I'm going to bless you, but just know it's not from me. This comes from the Lord. And so she gave me a big hug. Anyway, we, she left and it was just precious. And I turned around to Steve and I said, that is so much fun. (laughs) It's awesome to bless somebody else. It's so much better, so much more fulfilling, brings so much more joy than taking. We're called to be givers because we're followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to be those who speak life and who bless others. And when we do that, we are going to be like Jesus. And not only that, that's what's going to change our communities, our city, our neighborhoods, the places we work, because we're so different. We go in 
not to be blessed, but to bless. We go in asking, Lord, who needs a word of encouragement today? Father, who can I do something for monetarily? Who can I take a meal to? Who can I keep children for so that they, you know, there's, this little couple can go out to dinner or do something on, you know, by themselves? Who can I bless? What can I do to be a blessing to someone? You know, Hebrews gives us a little bit more insight into Abraham and what he was thinking. But I do love Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And you know what? We don't either. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow and who holds us so we can trust him and we can step into tomorrow without fear because we know he is good. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, I would say 90 is past childbearing age, wasn't, wasn't able to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. We are those descendants. And you are blessed because you've been grafted into the very lineage of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us all the promises of God are yes in Christ. So this semester, we're going to find out just how blessed we are. And that blessing is going to grow as we in turn bless others. I love you women. I'm so excited about what God has for us this semester. And as we study, it's amazing how things keep building on each other each semester. And we all get so excited about it that we can hardly stand it. We're, just, we're about to bust to like download the whole thing right now. <laughs> but we won't do that. We won't do that. But let me pray for us that God will bless us as we seek to be a blessing and as we seek to know him, the blesser, intimately. intimately. Father, we do love you And Lord, I look out over this room and my heart is so moved for every woman in this room. Father, just as Mary's testimony was so beautiful and Lord, you have shown yourself faithful to her. Everybody in here, every woman needs to know you personally. And so Father, that's our desire is that you would search us and try us and see if there's anything in us that's keeping us from fully trusting you, from fully believing that you are good, and then obeying, digging into your word and making it the foundation upon which we build our lives and our families. And Lord, the foundation upon which we bless the city where you have placed us. So Father, we do pray for Memphis. We pray for the families that are mourning. Father, we pray In the name of Jesus, for Liza Fletcher's family, for her church family at Second Press, for her husband, for her boys, for her parents, for her brother. God, our hearts have broken. We have wept for them. Lord, our city needs healing. But that healing only comes from Jesus. 
And Lord, instead of withdrawing, we are going to go out as your ambassadors of light and hope and truth and faith and blessing in the name of Jesus. And we bless our city tonight. Holy Spirit, come and heal. Comfort. And speak peace. Lord, we are yours. We offer ourselves. We offer this semester to you. May your kingdom come and your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name, the name above all names, the architect and builder of the city to which we're traveling. Father, we long for the day when our faith is made sight. And it's in his precious name, amen.